welcome to the ministries of the Bohomi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him in all the earth. And the pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you're about to hear. coming again. That's a, a beautiful reminder there, amen, that he is indeed coming again. I, I always uh, reference the first stanza of that song and one line there that needs to be corrected. So one day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, the only picture of sin that we have is found in Isaiah. And Isaiah said, it's red. Go with me, dog. Isaiah said, it's red. It's not black. Red. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's red. And then I think of it that when the blood of the animal covered the red. Ah, he covered it and everything was red in the sight of God. Red. Not black. That's not what we're talking about today. We have been looking at Jesus' answer to the two questions that were asked to him one regarding the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the other relating to the sign of his coming and the end of the world. And we have looked at the answers that Jesus gave and we looked at some examples that we find in scripture, but then right after that, Jesus went into saying to his disciples and by extension to us today that all of us need to be ready for in an hour when we think not the son of man will appear jesus immediately proceeded to show them what it is to be ready what it is like to be ready for his return and he gave us two parables and last week we looked at the parable of the ten virgins. Bible said five were wise and five were foolish. And I try to bring it home to us by saying five were careful and five were careless. Because when we hear wise and foolish, we kind of throw it aside and say, well, I'm not one of the foolish ones. But when we talk about being careful and being careless, amen all of us get the message because when we think of the ten virgins we usually think of the five that were foolish that they just grabbed their lamps and they just went out with no oil 
But that is really not what the scripture says, neither is it what the custom teaches. That when these young ladies left, going out to meet the groom, that they had oil in their lamps. That's the custom. They had oil in their lamps. I know this messing with you now. But the Bible says the bridegroom tarried and they all slept. And when there was the shout, the bridegroom, they arose and they trimmed the lamp. But the careless one said to the careful, give us some of your oil. Why? Because ours have gone out. It had burned out. Oh Lord, it had burned out while they slept and they were not careful enough to carry refill like the others who were careful. Am I talking to us today? Sometimes we read a parable and we miss that. We just think that they grab the empty all and they run empty lamps and they run out. No. That's not the custom. They would have lit their lamps going out to meet the bridegroom, but the bridegroom delayed. Ah, oh, that's not where we are today. We are at the second parable. And this is the parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25 from verse 14 in your Bibles, if you would follow along with me. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two talents he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou didst deliverest unto me five talents. Look, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, 
Thou deliverest unto me two talents. Look, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not straw. And I was afraid and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and gave it unto him which had ten talents. For unto everyone that have shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that had, had not shall be taken away even that which he had. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm. Amen. This parable presents to us a man who was traveling to a far country and delivered his goods, divided his goods among his servants. We have two sets of servants that the Bible tells us of here. First, there was that set that invested and did the right thing. The one that had five talents, he gained five more. And the one that had two talents, he gained two more. But the servant who had received just one, the Bible says, he went and he buried it. And when the day of reckoning come, of course, we saw in the story what the treatment was for each of those servants. The point of this parable is twofold. First, while Jesus is away, the believer is to do something. That is, the believer is to work faithfully and diligently 
while Jesus is away. The second thought is that the believer is to know something. The believer is to know that his work will be greatly rewarded or severely judged. So the believer is to do something. The believer is to work. And the believer is to work hard. But the believer also needs to know something while working. That he will be greatly rewarded if he works well. Or he will be severely judged by his master when his master comes. Can somebody say amen? That is the message that Jesus is conveying to us today from this parable. So again, he is dealing with his return. He went into a far country, Matthew tells us. And after a long time, he will return. Christ is teaching us today a much needed lesson that we must be faithful and diligent. For if we are not, when he returns, there will be severe judgment. Brother, sister, I'm just dealing with the parable and the message that Jesus is conveying to us from this parable. And I'm just keeping it as simple and as straightforward as possible that everybody can read it for themselves. Amen. And understand it for themselves. So the Bible tells us that the Lord went into a far country. Christ foretold that he was like a man traveling to a far country. And what he foretold happened. He traveled away from earth to heaven. For a specific purpose, the Bible says, to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And he is to sit there until his servants complete their work, the work that he has given them to do. When he returns, it will be a time for reward and for judgment. So the Lord has entrusted his goods, his gifts, his abilities, various responsibility to his servant. Ephesians 4 8 tells us, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. In this particular point, the Bible says three things to us. First of all, the Lord 
called his own servant. The operative word there is that little word, own. He didn't call somebody else's servants. Am I talking to us? He didn't call a person that he does not know. He called his own servants. His own. And he delivered unto them his goods. Now, we, we, we have talked about the word servant a couple of weeks ago and mentioned that it, uh, the word servant, the Greek word that is translated servant, is also translated bond slave. And we went back to the history of a bond slave, that a bond slave was a slave who was in a household, and when the year of Jubilee came, that slave decided that he loves his master and he wants to stay on with his master. He didn't want to go free. And the master would take him before the elders and would pierce his ear. And that slave would become a bond slave. So he would belong to his master for life. If he were to live to see another Jubilee, he still would not be able to be free. Am I talking to us today? He was a bond slave. So the master called his own servants and he distributed unto them his goods. He called us. We're his own. And he gave unto us his gifts. And along with these gifts come specific responsibility. Paul said that God considered him to be faithful. And as a result, God placed him in the ministry. God, first of all, considered him to be faithful. So the Lord called his own servants and he gave them his goods or his gifts. Hmm. He gave them his property to manage. And all of us understand that as Christians here on earth, we are not owners. We are managers. We are stewards. Amen. And whatever God has entrusted us with or entrusted to us, God wants us to manage it and to manage it well. To, to, to manage it, understanding that even though we might think ourselves as the owner, and we might even have documents that ascribe ownership to us, as Christians we understand that we are only managers. And we manage until the Lord decides that our management is over. Oh, Lord. So we are stewards. Stay with me for one moment. The property that the Lord left with his servant, or the master left with his servant, was for them to take care of, to invest, to manage. Our Lord has given us his gifts, 
his ability and his responsibilities for us to work, to labor until he comes. Now, the obvious question that would come to mind as we think about us today as God's children, what is the, what is the ultimate work? What is the ultimate work? Because we are put together as a body, we are put together as a church by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he has given us a job for us to do. This job that we have, brothers and sisters, is a job of ministry. Ministering to the souls of men. Oh, Lord. That is, that is the real job. That is the task. How do I arrive at that? We are to continue the work that Jesus started while he was here on earth. And I'm referring back now to Luke chapter 4 in your Bible. Referring to Jesus from verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so Jesus opened the book of the prophet Isaiah and he turned to chapter 61 and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your very eyes. The Bible says after he was through, he closed the book and he sat down. And all eyes were upon him. Everybody start looking at him because they realized that this was the fulfillment of what Isaiah spoke about. Making the point that God has placed the church here and he has made us part of this church, this body, so that we would reach out into the world and touch the souls of men. Am I talking to us today? Because it is then that he is glorified. 
It is then that there is rejoicing in heaven. When, when a soul turns from sin to righteousness, the Bible says that there is great rejoicing. So this is the work that God has given to us. And he has given us his gifts that qualifies us to do this work. The work of partnering with him. And it's quite interesting. But the Bible says that we are co-laborers together with Christ. Think about it. That when we labor, we are not laboring by ourselves. Can nobody say amen? We are laboring with Jesus. Mm. So the Lord gave each servant a different portion of his goods to look after. The point is that each person was given a spiritual talent spiritual gift or responsibility none not one was left out ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of christ and so each servant in this vineyard the vineyard of the Lord is expected to work and to serve. The Lord gave each servant according to his ability. And four, four thoughts I want us to consider as we think of the Lord giving this servant the task according to their individual ability. All of us need to know what the Lord calls us to do and where he calls us to do it. I was meditating on this uh, over the week and I just laughed to myself. I remember uh, being in Kentucky uh, some years back doing a pastor's conference there, Pastor Yates and Barliston and those brothers, and a lot of pastors in the rural community there. And uh, I was preaching at night, and uh, one day after one session, a brother came to me and he said, Brother Nelson, there, there is a church over there that's looking for a pastor. And, and it was all exciting. He said, they are paying six figures. And I thought, I said to myself, I said, yeah, uh, the Lord will call me to that. So no matter how many figures they pay, the Lord didn't call me to that. Fortunately, one of my good friends got trapped in that. But that's a, another story. Um, but the Lord calls us. And he gives us specific responsibility for us to labor. I am submitting to us, brother, sister, that it's not so much the size of the ministry, but it is our faithfulness to the Lord. Am I talking to us? Because sometimes people would give us the impression that 
if you are not doing as they are doing in terms of proportion and in terms of you know all that they do you are not doing anything and many of us feel somewhat intimidated yeah I go off track here a little sometimes we have brethren in the church who don't even want to pray publicly because somebody prayed and give them the impression that that's how you are to pray and if you're not able to say Lord thou wouldest saidest and shouldest and all of those things that you're not praying and because you don't know those things how to say those things you don't pray listen prayer is a heart-to-heart -heart talk with God I, I, I laughed this morning as uh, because Simon chose that scripture because I heard one foolish uh, well one preacher foolishly say I think that's the right way to put it that if you think God hearing your English you're wasting time that you must have some special gibberish to talk to God if you think God hearing your English you're wasting time I say how how ignorant can people be what level of ignorance so he was teaching on tongues that's the idea and say so if you think God hearing your English but as we read in the scripture I just laughed said there is no language that he does not know there is no language that God does not understand because he's God is the all-knowing all-wise God oh Lord but sometimes we get the impression that because we can't do the antics that everybody else is doing that we shouldn't do anything but God has gifted us am I talking to us God has gifted us according to our ability so whatever he gives to us he knows that we have the ability to use what he gives to us oh you're not following me don't allow yourselves to be intimidated by anybody you know what God has done in your life you know what God has given you use that gift to the glory of God you're not using it for people it's not about whether people approve or, or not it's about whether or not God approves because he's the one that is going to reward you he's the one that is going to judge you in the end oh, so use your gifts to edify to build up the church so that the church can do the work and the work is out there Jesus says look unto the sea they're ripe and they're ready for harvest but he said pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send workers into his vineyard to reap the harvest listen Jesus is concerned about the souls of men 
And that's what we are to be concerned about. Following this parable with the judgment of nations or the judgment of the Gentiles, Jesus says, he will say to those after separating them, you are good, you are faithful, you have done well, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you ministered to me. And the list went on. And then those would begin to ask, Lord, when did we see you in these conditions and came unto you? And then the master will respond, whatever you did to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. There is a world out there with people that God is longing to bring into fellowship with him, that God wants us to minister to. There is a world out there that God wants us to minister to. There are people who are hurting that God wants us to minister to. It's not just within the confines of the fellowship. Yes, we minister to one another. We build up one another. Somebody say hallelujah, amen. We minister to each other. But there is a world out there with people that God has called us. God has equipped us. God has commissioned us to minister to. And we need to get another vision of what the ministry is all about. We need another vision. So each servant, then, brother, sister, is responsible, is expected to work. And the Lord gave each servant according to his ability. Mm. And there are some thoughts I want us to consider for a moment. No two servants have the same ability. Mm. For he gives according to the individual ability. And it is he who gives the ability. Am I talking to somebody? There are people who will, you must say hallelujah their way. Hallelujah! Uh, you can, you know, you, you, as if, if you don't say it their way, then you're not saying it right. But God gives different ability. God wants us to be ourselves. Can I get an amen? amen. God wants us to be ourselves as we minister. Amen. Because he calls us as we are. And he equips us. And he wants to use us as we are. Listen, there are some people in this world that nobody else is going to reach except you. They're on your path. Are you following me, somebody? God has equipped you because you have that relationship with them. They know you. They trust you. And that's why when Christians mess up, 
They throw off a lot of people, you know. I need to say that again. When we mess up as believers, we throw off a lot of people. Because there are people watching us. They're not saying anything, but you know they're watching us because they know we name the name of the Lord. And sometimes they might even say bad things about us, but they respect us nevertheless. They're watching us. And, and we're, we're influencing them indirectly. But then the devil throw us a curveball and uh, struck us out. And right there, we throw them off because they were looking at us and uh, we failed. And as a result, they are turned off. And sometimes it takes a long time to rebuild that back, brother, sister. A long time. And it takes a whole lot of honesty and sincerity to get back into that place with that individual to be able to influence them once again. God is the God of the second chance. Can somebody say amen? He's ever merciful. And he's always ready to heal, to forgive, to restore. Mm. So you don't have to stay where you are in your struggle, in your distress. You can rise again. You may have started out well and then you slip off line a little and you, you are going farther and farther and farther off course. Get back on track. God gives grace. Amen. God gives grace. He's able to establish you, to settle you, and to firm you up. That you can go on and on. When we go to school and we, we study, and then we have a test, and we go and the teacher, the instructor, grade the test and from that we know whether or not we have passed or failed. But in life, we first get the test. <laughs> the test comes first. And then it's after we fail that test, then we learn. Uh, it's after we fail the test, then we learn. Then we fortify ourselves to go forward, to know that that's not something that I want to do again. I want to remain steadfast. I want to remain true. I want to remain faithful. The first thought was that no two servants have the same ability, the same environment, the same training, the same discipline. Each is different. We are all different. The Bible tells us in verse 15 of our text, 
and he gave one five talents and to another he gave two talents and to another one talent to every man according to his several ability according to his individual ability and then he took his journey mm. secondly God endows us with his goods at his will, knowing each servant perfectly. 1 Corinthians 12:11 says, "But all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally or exactly as he will. The third thought is that each servant receives all the gifts he needs and all the gifts that he can use. Romans chapter 12, reading from verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us with a prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The Bible tells us that we are the body of Christ. And as we have been seeing in our Bible study on Wednesday evenings, that it is the head that directs the body. The head controls the body. Anytime the body acts independent of the head, there is problem. There is some disease. There is some illness that will cause the body to act independently of the head. It is the head, brother, sister, that directs the body. So the body needs the head and the head needs the body. The church needs Christ and Christ needs the church. Mm, that's a strong statement. Because without Christ, we can do nothing. And without the church, Christ's purpose on earth is not going to be fulfilled. We are it, brother, sister. The church is it. He has no plan B. It's the church. We are the ones who have to arise and to do what God calls us to do. We are the body of Christ. 
minister. Oh, that somebody would arise and say, Hallelujah, I am just tired of the way it is. I'm going to arise and do what God has called me to do. I'm not going to just uh, haphazardly go along and, uh, you know, just take it lightly, but I'm going to embrace this responsibility. I'm going to take it seriously. I'm going to arise and I'm going to do. I'm going to play my part. I am going to work to advance the kingdom of God. I am going to play my part. Am I talking to somebody? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 4 to 7 says now there are diversities or differences of gifts but the same spirit and there are differences of administrations but the same Lord and there are diversities of operations but it is the same God which worketh all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. One of the things that we notice about these servants, they had different gifts, a different quantity, different function. But one thing they all had in common, they all had equal opportunity to minister. They all had equal opportunity mm, to be faithful in using the gifts that God has given to them. Brother, sister, we are going to be judged by God based on our faithfulness. I need to say that again. We are going to be judged by God based on our faithfulness. Oh, probably need to sink in. That is the message that Jesus is conveying to us from this parable. There are different levels of operation, but all of us are required to be faithful. God is going to judge us based on our faithfulness. In whatever, whatever he has given us to do, whatever it is, whatever it is, he is going to judge us for our faithfulness in his service. How well we have managed the responsibilities that he has given to us. How seriously we took it and how well we did. If some of us treat our jobs, physical jobs, the way that we treat the Lord's service, we wouldn't have a job. We would have been fired over and over and over and over again. Somebody said, well, it's the law. 
Thank God he's ever merciful. Can somebody say amen? Thank God he's ever merciful. But he's going to judge us for our faithfulness. Mm. Always merciful. But there's going to come a time, a time of reckoning, where all of us will be judged based on how faithful we have been to the service of the Lord. All of us. And so I encourage us today, we're not able to finish this message today, this parable, to look at the different uh, workers and the different responses. But the Lord tarries. If he does, next week we will continue on this. But brother and sister, God requires faithfulness of all of us. Some writer asks a question. Well, we just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Bavoni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.